You find throughout the Bible man's need to be reminded of God's sufficient resources so many times. Uh, Think about how Jesus described himself. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. Whoever believes in me will not thirst. I am the light of the world. Everyone who follows me will not continue in darkness, but have the light of light. I am uh, the true vine. Every branch in me that abides in me will bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so Christ is reminding us here that he, God in the flesh, has to be our sustenance, our all in all. And so we, we learn to depend on him for everything. Abounding in Faith is the broadcast ministry of Emmanuel Bible Church of Howell, New Jersey. If you are blessed by this message, please subscribe to our podcast or YouTube channel. You can also download our app by searching for IBCNJ in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. For more information, please visit us at www.ibcnj.org. Our speaker today is Senior Pastor Joe Suazo. As we get older... We forget more things. I've uh, become quite proficient in Google Calendar, and I've really make sure that everything that I do either is in the calendar or I have a note page on my smartphone where I make these little notes continually that I can go back to and remember that uh, I wouldn't forget. Uh, I picked up this story a few years ago. It's a about these two elderly couples who are enjoying a friendly dinner and one of the men asked the other Fred how is that memory clinic you went to last month month and he said outstanding Fred said he said they taught me all the latest techniques visualization association it was great he says well he says what was the name of that clinic Fred went blank He thought and he thought, but he couldn't remember. Then a smile broke across his face and he asked, what do you call that flower with that long stem and thorns? You mean Rose? Yes, that's it. Fred then turned to his wife. Rose, what was the name of that clinic? (laughs) You know, we need to be reminded and our text this morning from Genesis 17 is really God reminding Abram of his true call and vision for life. We get lost in the busyness and the problems and the difficulties of life, and we lose our way at times. And God is so faithful if we listen to remind us of what our true purpose here on earth is with the few days that we have on earth. In our study today in Genesis 17, I encourage you to turn there. Uh, It's really about our need to be reminded of God's promises and vision for our lives. For Abram, chapter 17, 13 years would pass before he heard from God previously. And he was now an older man. And time may have been dulling his enthusiasm for the vision that God had given him 25 years ago where he left Ur of Chaldea and traveled over a thousand miles to establish a new home and a new land with a vision from God to become a great nation. 
And uh, so I think in some ways, perhaps Abram forgot. And so in chapter 17, we see God reminding him and renewing the covenant that he had for Abram that he would fulfill God's purpose for his life. We need to make adjustments to our lives after we receive Jesus Christ as Savior. I think most of us here can confess Christ as Savior. I know many of you well, and that's good news. But along the way, even though we claim Christ, uh, the world has its way to diminish our way of seeing things. So this morning I want us to look at two truths that we're going to draw from Genesis 17. The first is the reminder of our vision for God. I mean, we have been given, each of us here, a vision, a vision uh, for the Lord. Uh, now, you may not know that. You say, well, that, that's your business, Pastor Joe or Pastor Mike. I mean, you, you're the pastor. You have the vision. I'll just kind of follow and take, no. No, God has given you a vision, a purpose for your life in the few days you have here on earth. And so uh, to this morning, we're going to look at how God reminds Abram and how it applies to our lives. The second thing we're going to look at is identity. Identity. Who are you? I love the passage that our brother, Pastor Mike, read uh, during that time of worship that Peter, in that first letter, he says, you are a a uh, holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people of God, uh, called out by God to proclaim the uh, majesty of his uh, grace. And so God has given each of us this tremendous uh, vision and purpose if, we, if we're willing to follow it. So let's stand and read Genesis chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, uh, chapter 17 of Genesis. And... Uh, in the Pew Bibles, it would be page 11, if you're interested. So chapter 17 of Genesis, we read this. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I'll make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I'll establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring, and after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I'll give, you, I'll give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession and I will be their God. Father, as we just meditate on this for the few minutes we have here this morning, I would pray you'd speak to our hearts. I want to thank you, Lord, for each person who came out on this wet, somewhat dreary Sunday. 
but we just thank you, Lord, that you are present with us and your spirit attends to us if we're willing to listen. So give us ears to ear, hear, eyes to see, Lord, that we may be the people you want us to be. In Christ's name, amen. So a reminder of God's vision. You know, our vision begins with an understanding of God's sufficiency. It has to. Who is this God who's calling each of us into relationship with himself? Who is this God that we're following? And so we find in scriptures a vision that God gives to Abraham of who he is. Look again with chapter 1, verse 1 in chapter 17. God reminds Abraham that he is God Almighty. Now there's about 20 commonly used names for God in the Old Testament. This is El Shaddai, which means God provides. And the root word of this is Shad, coming from an idea of a mother providing milk for her children. And so as God led Abraham and his sons Isaac, and then his grandson Jacob, he would often remind them of this vision that he called them to, would be based on his character, his sufficiency, his provision, not their own. That's so important for us as we go on in life, isn't it? That we recognize that everything that we have is from the Lord. And one day we'll go and see him face to face. That everything that we have, even the air we breathe, is a gift from him. And so he wants to remind us, I am your provider. I am the one who will take care of you. Years later, Abram's grandson Jacob went through a crisis of faith. And he had such a falling out, many of us know the account, with his brother Esau. He had to literally flee for his life out of the land that God had promised. And on his journey, God visited him uh, with a vision and a reminder, with angels ascending and descending. And after receiving it, listen to how Jacob responded. Chapter 28 of Genesis, we're going to get to this eventually in a few weeks. If God will be with me, This is Jacob's prayer, I love it. If God will be with me and and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. What an amazing uh, confession there. And God did take care of him. He left completely empty-handed. And of course, we know, as some of us who've read through Genesis, he comes back as a wealthy man. You find throughout the Bible, man's need to be reminded of God's sufficient resources so many times. Uh, Think about how Jesus described himself. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. Whoever believes in me will not thirst. I am the light of the world. Everyone who follows me will not continue in darkness, but have the light of light. I am... Uh, the true vine. Every branch in me that abides in me will bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so Christ is reminding us here that he, God in the flesh, has to be our sustenance, our all in all. And so we, we learn to depend on him for everything. Uh, when we don't do that, a worry and anxiety increases. 
peace decreases because now the whole of it is resting on our shoulders. That is a terrible burden. Jesus does not want that. He wants us to understand. I, he says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. And so we are reminded again and again. Another one, Peter, in his second letter to churches, puts it, puts it this way. His divine power has given us everything we need that pertains to life and godliness. Everything. And so we need to be reminded of this continually, daily, that he is El Shaddai, our provider, our provision. And we are not uh, on our own taking care of ourselves, but he is with us. A second reminder to Abram had to do with his way of life. Look at verse 1 again. He says to Abram, after calling himself El Shaddai, he says, walk before me blamelessly blamelessly our call each of us is a call to holiness or a ministry or purpose from god that's accompanied by a walk of integrity before god uh, this doesn't mean sinlessness because none of us could be that but what it does mean is that we strive in a sense for perfection just as jesus says be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect and so we have this call upon our lives as we walk with God to be, live free from sin and he's given us power through the agency of the Holy Spirit that we may walk in a new way of life. This is good news because I don't know about you, I don't like my old way of life. <laughs> I like the new way of life, the life that's filled with the goodness and, of God. In his book, The Pursuit of Holiness, the author Jerry Bridges points out that the holiness in Christian living is really not an option. The reason is simple, he says. Our actions and way of life ultimately reflect what's going on in our hearts. If we claim to know God, but our lives don't reflect him, then our ability to have influence <clears throat> will be a negative one, not a positive one. <clears throat> D.L. Moody, that great evangelist, of the 19th century, he said this, our Bibles should have shoe leather on them. A letter of James, we were reminded this way in chapter two, faith without works is dead. Listen to what he says. Someone will say, you have faith, I have works, but I say, show me your faith apart from your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one you do well, even the demons believe and shudder. You know, think about it. If it's possible for a demon who's committed absolutely to evil, who has faith because he knows that God exists, then it's possible for a person to say, I claim Christ, but yet devote themselves to a worldly life, to a life of the flesh. That's not the way. But he says to Abraham, walk before me blamelessly. And he's inviting us to walk uprightly <clears throat> that we may receive all the blessings of the Lord. Some people think, you know, that they pray a simple prayer to accept Christ. It's enough. And it's true. Uh, our right, our salvation is wholly dependent on Christ's finished work on the cross. Scripture says we are not saved by works, but by faith through grace. And it's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God that none of us would boast about it. So good news, we 
do not have to work for our salvation. It's already been accomplished through the shed blood of Christ. We receive him, we're uh, forgiven, and we have this reconciled uh, relationship with God. However, once we receive him, we're invited to walk with him. We're invited to walk with him. And so God reminds Abram of who he is, God Almighty. I'm calling you now as a God who provides to walk with me, with your eyes on me, to walk blamelessly. Uh, so we see a reminder of who God is, his sufficiency, our call to walk with him in a certain manner of life. A third reason we need God to remind us is this, is God has called each of us to change our world. You know, you're called salt and light. I'm called salt and light. What does salt and light do? Whatever salt and light does, it changes things. Salt changes the taste of food. Salt preserves. Salt, whatever it interacts chemically with other things, creates reactions. Light, whenever you put light on something, uh, it exposes what it is, and we're able to see it more clearly. Each of us in Christ are called to be salt and light. Look at verse 2 with me in the text, chapter 17. Abraham falls on his face. I love that. He's worshiping. That's really another way of, of Abram worshiping God and said to him, this is God speaking now, as for me, this is my covenant with you, you will be the father of many nations. Now, up to this point in Abram's life, he has seen a number of bumps along the way. They included a famine, if you remember a few weeks ago. He fled to Egypt. A war, a conflict with his family, Hagar, and Ishmael his, and his wife. And now God's reminding Abram for his fifth time in 25 years. In every one of those instances, God shows up and reminds Abram, this is my vision for you, that you would be a father of many nations. Chapter 12. God told Abram, through him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Chapter 13, God told him that his descendants would be like the dust of the earth. Chapter 14, we find Melchizedek, the type of Christ, proclaiming to Abraham that God has indeed blessed him and, and has, will fulfill his vision through him. Chapter 15, we see God showing Abram the stars, and he says, so shall your descendants be. Abram, I'll change the world through you. I love it. Through your family, a nation will be born, and through that nation, a Messiah, Jesus, would come. And through Jesus, many, many would find forgiveness and relationship with God for everyone who believes. And so we need to be reminded of our purpose, that God has a vision for each of us. I hope you believe that. I hope you're seeking it. I hope you're desiring to live it. There's a second thing in our text, if you look at 5 and 6 onwards. Not only is Abram reminded of his vision, but also of his identity of who he is. This is phenomenal text of scripture. He says, no longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. I'll make you very fruitful. 
Now, four quick observations about this verse, these verses of Scripture. First, some commentators believe that Abram, which was his birth name, was probably related to one of the gods of the mountains of Chaldea. It is interesting to note that the Jewish commentators believe that before Abram met God, he was an idol maker along with his father, Terah, um, for generations uh, that the, the family was making idols. That's the first point. The second point is his new name, Abraham, which our text already defines for us, means a father of many nations. Now, God is saying to Abram, my vision for your life is going to be characterized by everything you do. No more fence-sitting, Abraham. This is what you're created for, to be a man through whom my glorious gospel will come to sinful man. You're no longer going to be committed to the world. You're no longer going to be committed to idols. Your name is no longer Abram, but Abraham. Third thing about these verses. You're not the father of not just one nation, but many nations. You know, I am always amused in the book of Acts when God calls Peter to go to the first Gentile family in Acts. He's unwilling. Here's a man who walked, right, with Christ for three years, saw him resurrected, was part of Pentecost, preached the first sermon, saw 9,000 people come to Christ in Jerusalem from the Jewish people. And now God's saying, okay, it's time now for you people to reach the nations, just as I intended back here in uh, Genesis. And what was Peter's response? No way, Lord, you know, because he thought that if I were to associate with a Gentile, that would defile me. It would make me less of a person of God. No, God says, I'm calling you. And so he gives him a vision three times. And Abraham ultimately goes. And of course, Cornelius and his household receive Christ. It's a beautiful text of scripture. This is my purpose for you, that you would be the father of many nations. Uh, I, uh, whenever I'm with uh, the Jewish people, uh, my chiropractor practices in Lakewood. And I'd say about two-thirds of the people who come are from the Hasidic community. I just long to share this truth. I just want them to see this, was, this is your purpose. Uh, and the law is not going to make you righteous. And uh, I long to share that with them. What a glorious uh, background. If you have a Jewish background, I hope you just are so grateful for the history of your people. Fourth thing about these verses. We see how the New Testament takes uh, from this verse in the book of Galatians. Uh, the book of Revelations and other parts where we know that those who claim faith in Jesus come forth from many nations. God here alludes it. The book of Revelation, for example, uh, chapter 7, verses 9 through 11, gives us a fulfillment here when it shows before the throne of God what heaven's going to be like. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people praising God, basking in their relation with God through Jesus Christ. Uh, hallelujah. Don't you long for that day? Now that's going to be a worship service. You know, we're not going to be standing there. Hallelujah. It's not going to be like that. 
In fact, some of you Baptists out there might even raise your hands. Hallelujah! Right? I mean, this is where our destiny is. Do you know that you and I go through identity change when you receive Christ? Um, They talk a lot about this in our culture today, and I'm not talking about that kind of identity change. Our purpose changes. Our name changes. Our vision for life changes. Everything about us will change. We're no longer living for ourselves, but we now are lights of the world and salt of the earth, bringing influence on the people around us. We're no longer children of the devil, devoted to our selfish desires, but now we're declared by God himself to be children of God. We're no longer a people who live for greed, for money, for sexual morality or bitterness, but we're a people who are characterized by the fruit of the Spirit, kindness, gentleness, love, and self-control. Everything changes about us. In Neil Anderson's book, Victory Over Darkness, the author identifies 32 identity changes from the Scripture in our lives when we receive Christ as Savior and are born again. These are qualities that God wants us to see that have the power to change our perspective, not only on ourselves, but how we live in the world around us. I included in the bulletin, if you have one, an actual sheet of many, most of them, called My Identity in Christ. I encourage you to take that, put it in your Bible, and read through those, and be reminded. I'm just going to read just a few of them. I'm God's child, John 1.12. As a disciple, I'm a friend of Jesus Christ, John 15.15. 15. Romans 5.1, I have been justified by faith through Christ. 1 Corinthians 6.17, I'm united with the Lord, and I'm one with him in spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20. I've been bought with a price and I belong to God. It goes on and on and on. Do you know that? That your true worth is found in God and God alone? And so God called Abram, Abraham, a man who would influence the nations. God calls us to be lights of the world and with specific purposes of bringing influence to the people around us. Abram, you'll no longer bear the identity you had as in the idolatrous land that you left 25 years ago, but you have a new name, and that name bears my vision, Abraham. There's a second thing in our text. Look at verses 7 through 9. I want us to see. 7 through 9. This is what I call a time stamp. Time stamp. He says, I'll establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you, Throughout their generations. That's the first key uh, part of the verse. Throughout their generations. Second key. For an everlasting covenant. To be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I'll give to you and your offspring. That's the third key phrase. You and your offspring. Those who would come after him. The land of your sojournings. And all the land of Canaan. This is the final thing in these verses. For an everlasting possession, I will be their God. Everlasting, forever, throughout generations, all the people after you. You see, this is a time stamp. God is trying to help us to see that we are living in the context of eternity. This life is not it only. I hope you realize that. 
You know, the temptation, I've been tempted many times to give up on ministry when I was ministering as a missionary throughout my years as a pastor. This is the truth that always brings me back. That one day I stand before God for eternity and have to give an account for the way I've used whatever he's given me. And so God is reminding Abram here, this covenant I'm making with you is an everlasting covenant. It's going to go on forever and ever. And isn't that the verse we sang about? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but what? Thank you. Everlasting. Forever. That's good news. You know, the world is always trying to convince us of a different dream. That this life is the most important thing. But what did Jesus say? He who loves this life will lose it. But the one who loses his life for my sake will keep it forever. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? And of course the answer is nothing. And so the charge for each of us here is to look within and say, am I living in the context of eternity, or have I let this life be all-consuming to me? And so we have reminders in Scripture, reminders of our vision and reminders of our identity, all woven in to the context of eternity. Thank you for listening to the previous message. We pray that you were blessed by it. For more information, please visit us at www.ibcnj.org.